Hello, hello, hello everyone. My name is Danielle and you are now watching or listening to Down the Pipeline with Danny Do-It-All. I am your host, Danny Do-It-All. First and foremost, I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am a financial educator and a faith coach and I am here to help you take rhema and turn it into revelation. Just like it says in Romans 10, 17, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I am so excited to be here with you today for our next episode. I'm really excited about this one, as I am about all of them, right? I say that literally every time, but I mean it literally every time. So today we are going to be talking about how do you know if you are truly living for God? How do you know if you are truly living for God? So again, I know y'all already know, I ask God a lot of questions as soon as I'm waking up in the morning. And one morning I asked him, God, how do I know if I'm truly living for you? Like, what did I say? I said, God, am I really living for you? Am I really submitted to you? Is, is your glory really the reason that I wake up every morning, right? My main focus. And of course, the Holy Ghost started to speak to me and I wanted to share with you what he shared with me. So um, he shared with, with me that living for God here on earth is the closest we will get to perfection until we see Jesus Christ face to face. Now that may be a scary thought to some because your life may not look anything near perfection. But if you're living for Christ, if you're living for God, if you're living for his glory, this is, this is it's, you know, it could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse worse i promise you so until we get to glory we're not going to know true perfection but if we allow god to live on the inside of us through his holy spirit we will be able to bring just a little bit of heaven down on earth so if you've accepted jesus christ as your lord and savior you've died anyway you've died to your flesh you died to the works of the flesh. Uh, Jesus took all of your sin, your debt, your shame, your guilt, and nailed it to the cross and left it there. So if you're living for him, you know, Galatians um, 2 and 20 says, um, what does it say? Because it's one of my favorite verses. And now that I'm sitting in front of this camera, I can't remember what it says. It says, Galatians 2 and 20 said, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, now I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul was saying there, it's not even me who's living anymore. It's not even me who's living anymore. So this is honestly one of the ways, you know, that you are, to, you will know if you're truly living for God. But I do understand there is a spectrum there is a spectrum. So some people praise him with their lips, but their heart, which is their will, their intentions are far from him. Some people want to live for God, but their flesh is too strong. Their flesh is too strong. I used to struggle with this a lot and I still do in, in, a, in more than a few areas um, where my spirit just, you know, is very, very, and not saying that the Holy Spirit is quiet or anything, but my flesh is so loud that my spirit doesn't get a chance to be that still, small, wise voice that we know God can be. Some people live for God so much that they desire to be with him and not show him to the world. So they want to stay in their secret place. They want to stay um, like Moses did on Mount Sinai for those 40 days and 40 nights. We can't live on Mount Sinai. 
We can't stay on Mount Sinai. We have to come down. We have to come down. Remember, Moses had to come down. He wasn't, he probably wasn't going to come down, but God was like, you need to go down and check on your people because they're dancing around this golden calf for some reason. And go, go get your people. Go get your people, Moses. Some people are like that. So that's what I mean when I say there's a spectrum. Some people just want to stay in God's presence, want to stay in a secret place, which is great. But you do have to sometime come off Mount Sinai. And some people don't, some, the people that are like that don't even want to associate with people in the land of the living. Like, I, I don't know if you've heard that saying that you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And you don't want to be so earthly good that you're so earthly minded that you're not heavenly good. So you have to, there has to be a balance. There has to be a balance. But living for God just means putting him first. Putting him first in everything, y'all. Putting God first in everything. That's what it means to live for God. So you put him first in your decisions. You put him first in your words. You put him first in your actions, your thoughts, your desires. You put him first in how you interact with others. Because I be wanting to snap. <laughs> I want to snap sometimes. Not, not as much as I used to. Because I used to have a very small fuse. But it's grown. Glory to God. Okay? Glory to God in the highest. You have to put him first in how you allow others to interact with you. You can't allow everybody to take you everywhere. You can't allow everybody to talk, you know, how they want to talk or, you know, how they want to talk around. You have to put him first. Does this situation glorify God? Does this group of people, is this group of people glorifying God? If not, I got to go, right? You put him first in how you forgive, forgive. You put him first in how you love Love, uh, God is love and God showed his love by sending his son to die for us while we were still sinners. Love is an action verb. So you put him first in how you love and you even put him first in how you spend your free time. Like I loved to categorize myself as a couch potato, but that is not honoring God. That is not putting God first. Yes, God does want us to rest, but when your rest outweighs your work, it's a problem. Right. God rested, but he rested after six days of work. So there has to be a balance. You have to put him first. So we put him first for many, many, many reasons. But I just have a few here. So we put him first. Why? Because he created us and everything else. He's our creator. So he knows what he created you to do. He knows what you what he created you to do. So you have to put him first. Because he, cre like, how could you not put him first? How could you not put your creator first? If I made something, like, let's say I created a laptop to do these things. And my laptop does not do those things that I created it to do. It wants to do its own thing. I'm smashing it with a hammer. But thank God for his grace, right? <laughs> thank God for his grace. Um... We put him first because he loves us again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever shall believe it in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's how much God loved us. He gave his one and only son. So that's why we put him first. He, we put him first because he knows the intention for our lives. That kind of goes back to he created us. Why wouldn't you stay close to the one who knows where you're going? 
How can two walk together except they agree, right? We put him first because he knows our beginning from our end. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. We also put him first because he's the only one who can fully satisfy us. My God, that's so good. I wrote this a long time ago, so this is the first time I'm reading it in a while. We put him first because he's the only one who can fully satisfy us. I'm telling you, when I was in the world, when I was in my sin, I tried to do so many different things to fulfill me, to satisfy me. And there was always something missing. God created us that way. He created us with a God-sized void. He created us with a God-sized void in us. And he's the only one that can fill it. He is the only one that can fill it. And lastly, we put him first because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who else do you know is going to have the same attitude, the same ways, yesterday, today, and forever? Nobody. Nobody is that consistent. We're going to have a bad day. We're going to have an attitude every once in a while. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, I'm growing. I'm trying to grow more and more like him every day, okay? So just give me some grace. But God is the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that's why it's a great reason to put him first. You know he's going to be consistent. You know he's going to be dependable. You know he's never going to change. So that's a great reason to put him first. And it's honestly like too many reasons to put him first. But, you know, you get the gist. Um, so if you want to know if you're truly living for God, keep listening. If you want to know if you're truly living for God, think about these ways and take them into account. So do you seek to please him in every decision that you make? Do you seek to please God in every decision that you make? Think about that. Think about if you want to even know what he says on a matter. When you have a situation, to whom do you turn? Where do you turn? Do you go to the Bible? Do you go to your friends? Do you go to your parents? Do you go to your significant other? Where do you go first when you want to know what God says about a matter? Do you go straight to him or do you go to one of his resources? If you want to know if you're truly living for God, do you have the desire to not choose what feels good in the moment, but do you choose what's going to keep you in right standing with him? Which one? Do you choose what's going to be easy right now? Do you choose what's going to please your flesh right now? Or do you choose what you know is going to bring him the most glory and keep you in right standing with him? Now, I repent for something every day, probably three or four times, five times, six times, seven times a day. But I try my hardest to stay in right standing with God. That's why I'm always repenting. Now, I don't do something and then say, oh, it's fine. I'll do it and I'll just repent later. No, it doesn't work like that. So that's how you know if you're truly living for God. Are you seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, his right standing, his justice first? Are you doing that? And next, so if you know you're truly living for God, you know that you don't want him just for his hand. You don't want him just for his material blessings, his, the physical manifestation of his goodness. You don't want him for just a new house, the new car, the new clothes, the new man, the new woman, right? But you desire to truly know his heart. You desire to truly know his heart. 
his will, his desires, his mind for you. That's a great way to gauge if you're truly living for God. So on the other hand, on the other hand, how do you know if you live more for you than you live for God? A couple different ways. You desire your will above God's. Your desires come first always, whether it's going to be honoring to God or not. Number two, you believe you know what's best and rarely, if ever, do you consult him. Rarely, if ever, do you consult him. You, you very rarely go to God and say, God, is this right? God, is this okay? You're like, it feels good. I'm going to do it. Which leads me to number three. You do what feels good to your flesh right then and there, and you worry about the consequences later. Is that you? And then next, you seek him when you need something tangible. You only seek him when you need something tangible. Like you need money. You need a new job. You need a new car. You need a new apartment. You need a new house. That's the only time you're seeking God. And not when you, when, well, you're seeking him more when you need something tangible and not something intangible. Like comfort, spiritual growth. You need healing, right? You need healing on the inside. Not from like a physical ailing. Like maybe somebody hurt you, but you, you rather would take revenge <laughs> rather than seek God to, you know, help you forgive that person. So if you fall in line with the first group, the group that really does truly live for God, they seek him first and all they do, then great. I'll give you some scripture to back that up so that can keep you on track. But if you fall into the second group, great. It's okay. It's okay. I'm going to give you some scripture to back you up and help you get back on the right track and help you not, not grow weary in well-doing and really help you live for God and give you that desire to live for God. So that's honestly where it starts. You have to have the desire to living to live for God first in your heart. So for a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you have to love God with all your heart first. It starts in your heart. It starts in your heart. Then comes your soul. That's your mind. That's your will. And that's your emotions. And then finally, you have to love God with all of your strength. That's your strength. That's what you physically do. So it starts in your heart, and then it goes to your mind, and then it goes to your strength. So seeking to please God in every decision actually starts with seeking him, right? You have to seek him. You have to make it a point to seek the face of God. You do that by reading his word, seeking godly counsel, and praying. Now, prayer was a sore spot for me. I didn't want to do it. I, I honestly, I dreaded it. Like I did not want to pray because I felt like, I mean, I'm just going to be real with y'all. I felt like it was no point. Like I didn't hear anything. I wasn't experiencing any changes. And then that's how I knew like, okay, so this is probably where I'm going to get my biggest breakthrough because, because the enemy is really trying to not get me to pray. He's trying to keep me from prayer. He's trying to talk me out of praying. So let me, let me go even harder. And now maybe I pray at the drop of a hat. Okay. Prayer really works. It really does work. Reading his word works. It's the literal word of God. And seeking godly counsel, like you should know who to go to and when you want to hear from God and who to not go to. First of all, you have to you have to pray to know if, you know, to, to get the spirit of discernment right, to get your discerning of spirits right, so that you know you're not going to somebody who's a monitoring spirit or a jealous spirit or something like that. That's first and foremost. And then 
you want to make sure that you know what person or people to act to go through to go to like you can't go to everybody for everything you cannot go to everybody for everything um i have people that i do not go to in my life if i want to hear good sound godly advice it's not many okay it's not many but i know like okay well i'm you know it doesn't take a super natural gift of discernment to know that you know that person ain't gonna give me the word of the lord like i don't even need to go there so seek godly counsel get in a bible believing church get a, um go to you know start going to some of these small groups that they have around town or around your city or whatever um read the word of god read the word of god he'll he'll reveal you know he'll reveal some people to you for sure um you're gonna you know when you read the word of god and you see these these biblical characters you'll start to oh that sounds like so and so oh that she reminds me um or he reminds me of so and so and then you know god will lead you to those people to ask for advice um and number two to truly live for god you have to desire to know and obey what he says about a matter you have to desire to know not and not just know to obey what he says or what he commands about a matter it can be a hard situation. It can be a difficult situation. But once you know God, God's will, once God makes his will known to you, now it's up to you to follow through. And this, thank you, Holy Spirit, this is where loving God with all of your strength comes into play. This is where no loving God with all of your strength comes into play because it's going to take strength sometimes, most of the time, honestly, to do what God commands you to do. It's going to take strength to do those hard things, to have those hard conversations. I'm struggling with having a hard conversation now, but I know for a fact that God wants me to do this. He wants me to do it in a way that's loving. He wants me to do it in a way that honors him. He wants me to do it in a way that's pleasing to him. But that's it's still hard. It's hard to have those hard conversations or do those hard things um, that are going to be pleasing to God. Think about Jesus. Going to the cross was, was hard. Going to the cross was hard. I'm sure he didn't want to. He didn't want to. He said, God... Father, if this, you know, let this cup pass from me, <laughs> let this cup pass from me. But we have to have that same mindset that Jesus had. Let this cup pass from me, but not my will, God, thy will be done. Your will be done, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. So you have to desire to know his will. Jesus knew his will. Jesus knew it was God's will for him to go to the cross and he obeyed and he obeyed, even though it was awful but we wouldn't be here if he didn't if he didn't obey so you never know what's on the other side of your obedience and number three you have to lay your desires to the side and have righteous judgment you have to lay your fleshly desires to the side and have righteous judgment so you need to get your flesh in control and show it who's boss okay once you get baptized in the holy spirit once you're born, not just of, of water, but also of the Holy Spirit, your spirit should be taking the throne. Kick your flesh off the throne where it sat for so long and put the spirit of God there. Put the, put, put the crown back on the head of the Lord and tell your flesh to go sit down somewhere. 
go, 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 go now in Jesus name. Um, I still, I struggle with my flesh every day. I struggle with my flesh every day. But the other day I just had, I literally had to have a conversation with my flesh. Like sis, you don't run nothing around here. It, and it's funny, it's, it's, it's funny, not funny, ha ha, but funny, sad that you think you do. Like <laughs> after all the fasting and praying and eating carpet I've been doing in my closet and you still think you in charge. That's sometimes what you got to do. You just got to like, it's crazy that you think you run something because you don't. I will start. <laughs> I'm sorry. Y'all don't have to do this. This is me talking about, I will starve you for 40 days to show you that you don't run nothing around here. Don't play with me. So <laughs> I'll probably be having that same conversation in the next six days. But hey, it had to be done. So you have to show your flesh who's boss. And how do you do that? The easiest way to do that is fast. And I'm talking about an actual biblical fast, y'all, not a consecration. So let me just explain really quick. A fast is when you abstain from eating physical food for a certain period of time. You cannot fast. It's not fasting if you're not on social media. It's not fasting if you're not watching TV. It's not fasting if you're not cursing. It's not fasting if you're um, not talking to some people for a period of time. That's not fasting. Those things are good. Those things are good. But that's not a fast. A fast is when you do not eat physical food for a certain period of time. Okay, just wanted to clarify that. And finally, you know you're living for God when you don't only seek him when you want something. Don't own, God is not a spare tire. I know you've probably heard this. What's the word I'm looking for? Comparison? That's not the word I'm looking for, but that's the word I'm going to use. I know you probably heard this comparison before that God is a spare, you know, some people use God as a spare tire. And then when they get rolling again, they take him off and put him back in the trunk. No, this is not that. You are not truly living for God if you only go to him when you need something. You go to God when things are amazing. When you think your life could not be any better, you better be on your face thanking God. Thanking God for his grace. Thanking God for his goodness. Thanking God that his goodness and his mercy follow you all the days of your life. Thanking God that you're able to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Thank you, God. Thanking God that with long life, he is satisfying you and showing you his salvation. Thank God when things are good. Cry out to God when things are good. Cry out to God when things are bad. He's listening either way. He's listening either way. And just because, you know, things are going good doesn't mean that you don't need God. You need him as much as you on your best day, as much as you do on your worst day. I promise you, it makes all the difference. I promise you. He's the same God on the mountaintop as he is in the valley. I promise. He's the same God. He's the same God on the mountaintop as he is in the valley. So I have a lot of scriptures here. I am going to leave them in the description box for you. Um, and I'm going to leave them in the description on the podcast. This podcast is available on all your favorite podcast players. So make sure you listen to it there as well. Make sure you subscribe to Down the Pipeline podcast uh, YouTube channel. Make sure you thumbs this video up. Make sure you like this video and set your notifications so that you never miss an upload. So that is all I have for you. So I pose the same question to you as I posed to God. God, am I truly living for you?
is giving you glory my main focus ask yourself that go through this list play this over and over again and with a notebook with your bible out and just Ask God to reveal to you anything and everything that's in you that's keeping you from truly living for him. I pray this blessed you. I pray you have an amazing week and I will see you next time. Bye.